Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And this is take two. Take two. A little peek behind the curtain. Usually, (laughs) um, we don't redo our intros. We just keep pushing on. But my brain feels like hot lava. And, oh. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just spilling. Yeah. There's, like, spillage. I can see it coming out of your ears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's kind of just spilling yeah, all over the yeah. place. So I did make a correction, um, and last week I said that Trump was trying to appoint a national security advisor, mm-hmm. and that is incorrect. I meant that he was trying to appoint a director of national intelligence who was not qualified for that job. So um, that guy's name was Richard, is Richard Grenell, and Richard Grenell is the first openly gay person to kind of like take on that role. He is uh, the acting uh National Director of National Intelligence. You got it. Holy shit. So he is the um, acting director of National Intelligence right now. Yeah. And (sighs) you were saying that people are a little bit worried about it because they don't think he has the experience. Right. So that's what I was saying last week, that he doesn't have the experience to be doing this job because right now Trump is basically, like, taking out all of the qualified people, like, taking out all of the adults in the room and filling these positions with loyalists or people who are, like, super loyal to him. Yeah, it's interesting that that an openly gay person would be the first uh, person in this role when it's under Trump's administration. It's a very bizarre sentence Yeah, and it's... We had this conversation last week that it's more to do with the fact that he is a Trump loyalist than the fact that he is a gay man. Like, Trump doesn't really care about those things. No, he doesn't. He does for optics, I think, with his followers. I almost said his fans, but they kind of are his fans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He cares about appeasing his base. But outside of that, I don't think he really gives a shit. His most important priority is himself. He's a narcissist. So as long as, like, you love him, then he will love you back and reward you for that. Exactly. But uh, I did see that he's kind of fucking it up a little bit right now. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't have any notes on this, but I wanted to just kind of have a discussion with you. I was just talking with my mom about the debates again on my way over here. And um, I was also speaking with my bosses about the Democratic candidates. And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, who are we going to vote for? And the biggest thing in the debate from last night, we're recording on Wednesday, by the way. So Tuesday. So Tuesday, yeah. I think it was on Tuesday. Yeah. Um. I didn't watch it. I wasn't able to watch it. But from my understanding is that everybody went after Bernie. 
because he's doing so well. Mm -hmm. And they really went on Bloomberg because of a lot of his past uh, sexual assault Mm -hmm. things. I posted something on our story today, and it said he had had almost double the sexual assault allegations as Donald Trump. Right. Like, he has 60-something. Trump has 40-something. It's like 64. Something crazy like that. And... I so I was speaking with my mom about that and the debates and where everything was and um she was saying how you know if she didn't watch the debates and only saw the ads or mm-hmm. only knew what she heard she wouldn't think that Bloomberg is so bad but she's like I listen right. to you guys so I know so I've done my research and that's what I was, he's banking on he he's, is he's banking on throwing money at the problem yeah and the reason why he's not concerned right now is cuz we look at this and we say oh my gosh he's spent $400 million on this presidential campaign, $400 million of his own money. Oh my God, that's so much money. But we've spoken about this before that it's really just a drop in the bucket for him. It's one, a drop in the bucket for him, and it's two, probably less than he would lose yeah. if if somebody like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, who wanted to tax billionaires, got into the presidency. Right. So I think that fear of someone going in and quote unquote going after his billions yeah. uh, scares him more than putting money out of pocket for his own campaign. Right. Well, and then the other discussion I had this week with my bosses about um, <clears throat> about Bloomberg and Bernie and everything is that, like, I guess a friend of theirs had posted on Facebook about why... Bloomberg is the better choice because he's a centrist. <laughs> no. And that he's a Republican. And that basically in that people aren't going to vote for Bernie because he's too different. And I was trying to explain this where it's like that's the narrative that like the DNC wants you to believe. Absolutely. They want you to believe that we can't have a very leftist president. And part of me needed to examine that because I was thinking that you know Trump has such a high approval rating right now. Relatively high. It's, relatively it's high. Still, it's gone down. And it's still lower than most other presidents in history at right. this point. But, but for him, it is high. But the percentages of, like, you know, the people that guess, like, who's going to win or whatever, I guess he's still looking pretty good right now. But um, I had to but I had to think about it because I, I was like, the way that we would beat Trump is for possible Republicans or centrists or people who um, aren't quite left-leaning Democrats and even... Republicans have to still vote then for the Democratic candidate, wouldn't they, for Trump to win? So are we looking well, for someone who's votable by the Republican standards, or are we... You know what I mean? I had to think about that a little bit right, this week. Right, absolutely. I think that that is what the DNC, that's their angle, right? right? That we need somebody in the center to pull back, because there is a contingent of voters who voted for Barack Obama and then turned around and voted for Trump. Yeah. Right? So we're trying to court those voters back. We're right. trying to court back, like, the moderates. And I do think that's something to be concerned about. However, Bernie's actually polling fairly well. That's what I was um, thinking, too. It, it just kind of made me think about the whole game of it. Right. You know? Yeah. Bernie is polling fairly well. And in addition to that, I think what my main goal will be, um, and what I would like to use this platform for and my own personal life for, is getting people who have not been voting out to vote. To vote. That's because, what my mom was saying, Yeah, too? I yes, think that exactly. that is a huge part of it. Because, yeah, sure, if you look at the people who voted in the 2016 election, sure, we're talking about needing to win back those voters. But there was also something like 40-something percent who didn't vote at all. Yeah. And who's to say which side they would have landed on? We gotta think of something cool, a cool way to promote voting on the show and on social media. Yeah, That's, absolutely. We need to think of that from now until... The totally. primary to make sure that every American listener that is eligible to vote who listens to us 
votes. Gets out and votes. Yes. It's very important. It, you cannot underestimate how um, important that is. It's yeah. super, super important. Well, and that's what where our downfall was in the last election. You know, my, my family either voted third party or didn't vote mm-hmm. or voted for Trump because they didn't like Hillary. Yeah. You know, it was just so petty. There but- are going to be people who don't like Bernie or who think he's too far, um, who think he's he's too far left. Yeah. But what I would like to say to the friends that you were talking about or your boss's friend is, do we really want somebody who's committed sexual assaults in the White House? Because you but might... I didn't even know about that until a couple be, days ago. To be honest... You know, not that I want to get into it, but it's just like you might as well vote for Trump. Yeah. Because they're the same. They're the same. They're the same. And yeah. like Elizabeth Warren made that point in last week's debate. Yeah. That basically, ideologically, in every way, they are the same. Bloomberg is a Republican, he is not a Democrat. So to me, this idea that you need to vote for him, and why is he the automatic choice? Why is it Bloomberg or Bernie? There are other centrists. Yeah, I Not mean, that I was I... even thinking, like, Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Yeah. I would rather Buttigieg over Bloomberg I would rather day. Klobuchar, and I don't even like yeah. her. <laughs> I, so My mom's going to be a... Bending. Sorry, I don't like her. I Minnesota. think she's annoying. I saw, I'm not a big fan either. But. I saw her uh, during yesterday's debate, and I was kind of like, oh. I like um, the SNL. Who's the actress that plays her in SNL right now? What's her name? Is she it did Rachel Dratch? I think so. It's the same yeah. woman who did the sketch with Lindsay Lohan where they can't stop laughing. That really funny oh, one. I don't know, but oh, I think it's so Rachel funny. Dratch. De- Debbie Downer. Debbie yeah. Downer. Yeah. yeah, she's funny. She's great. I like the the bang thing she does. Yeah, I mean. I, but here's the deal. I would rather have Klobuchar mm-hmm. than, than Bloomberg, and I don't even particularly like her. But I yeah. will say the last two debates have solidified to me. I will be voting, if anybody wants my endorsement, <laughs> listen Elizabeth to this Warren. podcast, I will be voting for Elizabeth Warren. You know, I'm, I've gone back and forth a lot. I think I'm still pretty firm on Bernie, but I'm also, I think I have to take into account how they've been doing at all of these other elections and caucuses because I want to vote for somebody that I feel like is going to get a lot of other votes. Like, I want to help that vote. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, uh, especially for us in California. The primary is your opportunity to vote for who you feel like should have the nomination. That's true. This is this is your time. Do it now. (laughs) My time. Right. Like, do it now and don't do the thing that people did in 2016 where they wanted to stick to that in the general. Yeah. And write in Bernie. Nothing or bust. Don't do that. Nothing or bust. Yeah. So for me, my feeling is I'm voting with my heart in the primary. And in my opinion, I like and appreciate Bernie. I really do. I think that Elizabeth Warren will make a better president. I think See, she's that's more... the thing is I go back and forth because I love... Can they both just be president together? <laughs> uh, it would actually benefit us if they were president together. Because yeah. what I fear with Bernie is that he is so, like... Um, he is so, like, kind of my way or the highway. This is the... Yeah. This is the deal. Yeah. That I don't know how well that's going to play when trying... with. De- being a diplomat. Right. When you're, like, having to work with other foreign leaders right. and things like that, whereas I feel like Elizabeth Warren will crush that part of it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I do like Bernie. I do think he'll get the nomination, and I will, of course, vote for him in the general, but yeah. I will be voting for Elizabeth Warren in the primary. Yeah. 
I like it. Uh, so I wanted to talk just briefly. I know we spoke before we met up, and I was like, I'm not going to mention anything about the coronavirus. But then we got a breaking news alert. Oh. Uh, I got a breaking news alert from New York Times, and then I looked it up in the LA Times. Yeah. So the CDC has confirmed an infection of coronavirus in California. No! Uh, that may be the first U.S. case without a known link to travel abroad. Oh my god. Okay. So it is pretty scary. My bosses bought uh, face masks tonight. Anthony told me that that doesn't do anything. And apparently, like, they're sold out on Amazon. Like, they're just gone. Yeah, because I told Anthony he's getting ready to travel to San Francisco, and I was like, this is such a bad time to travel, Uh, you know, and you're going up north, and this thing happened in Sacramento. I'm a little concerned about it. And so I told him to get a face mask, and he was like, it doesn't do anything anyway. And I was like, well, It's gotta do something, right? <laughs> Anthony just said nope for the listeners who can't I, hear. I really hope that that can be heard. Yeah. That's well, funny. at this point, the patient's exposure is unknown, uh, but the case was detected through the U.S. public health system. Yeah. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention is investigating what could be the first case of novel coronavirus in the United States involving a patient in California who neither recently traveled out of the country nor was in contact with someone who did. So I don't know how they contracted the virus. I don't know either. The individual is a resident of Salerno County and is receiving medical care in Sacramento County, uh, according to the State Department of Public Health. So that's fun for us in California. And I had seen earlier this week, I'd gotten a New York Times alert that they are bracing themselves. Everyone is bracing themselves because uh-huh. all of the experts had been saying that it is not a, um, it, it's not a case of if this will happen in our country, if a yeah. break, a, an outbreak will happen, but when. So it looks like shit has kicked and what off. Is, and what are the, what are the side effects? I don't, I really don't know much at all about the coronavirus because I, I don't want to be paranoid. I think they're flu-like. But I'm not going to die? You could die. Oh, I don't want to People die. have died. Yeah, people have died. Oh, so, no. So, you know, just something to be aware of. Uh, no. Uh, should we talk a bit about Weinstein? Yeah, let's do it. I don't have any notes on this. I've just been reading about it, and I'm reading about it now. But he did get uh, convicted of two counts of sexual assault. He got acquitted for two counts, and that's what I'm looking for right, right I, now. I have it right here. Okay, perfect. So, he was convicted of third-degree rape of Jessica Mann, who was a former aspiring actress, as well as a count of criminal sexual act in the first degree against Mm -hmm. Mimi Haley. But they did find him not guilty on two counts of predatory sexual assault, which each carried a sentence of up to life in in prison. Yeah. So he was also acquitted on a count of first-degree rape against... Jessica Mann as well. He does face 5 to 25 years in prison on those accounts that he was convicted of. So there is that. I know it's kind of like a bittersweet thing because it does feel like he was let off on some of the more serious charges. However, I was just talking to Anthony about this before we started recording. I am, and this is sad to say, but I am impressed with the prosecutors in this case that they were able to get any convictions at all. Yeah. Because they put all of these women on the stand and, you know, our hearts go out to everybody who had to relive their trauma through this trial. But the two women in question, Mimi Haley and Jessica Mann, especially Jessica Mann, who was an inspiring actress who, you know, very tearfully kind of recounted her rape by Weinstein... 
she did continue to have a relationship with him after yeah, I, and during the assault. I read about that, and then I guess, like, after the first... I think this was Jessica Mann I was reading about. After the first assault, they had kind of, like, maintained a normal relationship after that, and then when he raped her again, she was like, how could I be so stupid and, like, stick around? Right, and I think they even had a psychologist testify as to how this is actually very normal it behavior. Is, it's going back to your abuser or having it happen one time, being like, oh, well, it was just that one time. You know what I mean? There's or, rationalizations yeah, we tell ourselves, exactly. you know? Blame, turning it around on yourself, like, all of these things, but historically, there hasn't been a very good track record of juries believing women, period, let right. alone believing a woman who, by her own admission, continued to have a relationship with this right. person. Especially when his defense lawyers were coming at them and saying, like, look, this was all consensual. Look, they kept having a relationship with him right. after this. Actually, they were using him. Weinstein's actually the victim yeah. in all of this. Like, yeah. that's kind of what they were doing. Well, and it's interesting because, like, you know, all the defense has to do is create reasonable doubt. That's it. That's like the prosecutors are the ones that have the really hard job. The defense yes. team just has to create reasonable doubt. So, it, like you said, it really does say something for the prosecution yeah. to be able to deter that reasonable doubt. Because, especially in rape cases, I feel because there aren't always hard evidence, like there would be with, say, like a murder trial. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot more room for reasonable doubt to come into play. Right. And the jurors, I believe, deliberated for, like, five days. They did. They deliberated, yeah. deliberated they for asked, five days. And they asked a lot of questions, mm -hmm. and it seemed like they were aware of what this case would mean to the public and really took their time. Yeah. Yeah. I think... How on earth did they find a jury, is my question. Like, right. that and, part must have been and real you know, tough. That was a defense that his defense used as well, yeah. or a strategy that his defense used was... You can't find anyone who's not biased. Mm -hmm. You can't find anybody who doesn't have it out for Harvey Weinstein. Um, but clearly, I, I think that they were trying to be fair. Yeah. They were looking objectively mm -hmm. at it, not with, with emotion. Yeah. Yeah. So what's really great about it, and I, this is one of those times when I'm like, God damn it, I wish there had been a camera in that courtroom, because... It's very clear to me, and this makes the most sense, and this is from what I've heard his reaction was, he was handcuffed immediately mm -hmm. uh, and escorted out to t be taken to Rikers, and he was appalled by this. He had totally expected to be let out on bond yeah. pending an appeal or something like that. Oh, he's, my gosh. He's a rich dude. I don't think well, he is. Well, and he's fighting, he's quote-unquote fighting for justice right now, saying that I never raped anybody and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, maybe he believes that. Like, yeah. maybe he actually believes that, but I really wish I could have seen his face when he realized he wasn't going to get to go home. Yeah. I really, really do. But on his way to Rikers, he had a heart incident. Oh, no! Uh, and had to be taken to the hospital, so he managed to delay uh, going straight to Rikers. Yeah. So I don't know if he is out of the hospital yet, but I'm just like, There's you? Some, that's some shady shit. There's something going on there. Well, like, that's too perfect. I know he's had heart problems or whatever. Well, I actually think maybe he did have a heart problem, but... Because of that? It speaks to his entitlement. Yeah. That this gave you a... You were so surprised that this gave you a fucking heart attack. Like, really. Yeah. Did you see this um, comic that somebody sent us on Instagram today? Oh, no, but okay. that's funny. I'm going to describe it. So somebody sent us this comic on Instagram, a direct message, and it was like, it's uh, like the props department on a studio lot, and what looks like, you know, maybe Harvey's assistant or something with the walker that says Harvey doesn't need it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole situation, it was so 
transparent. Yeah. And I'd have to say that as a juror, I think rather than being swayed by that piece of theater, theater, I would have been insulted. Yeah. Like, I'm like, are you trying to insult my intelligence by trying to manipulate <laughs> me in this way? Mm-hmm. You know, like, that is, it's so insane. Well, it really is. Um, his attorney's have said that they are going to appeal this verdict. Of course they are. But we can also rest a little easy um, knowing that he is most likely also going to be facing charges in California. So this was a New York trial. He will probably also be facing charges here in California. So there will be more time added on to his sentence, most likely. I want to be on that jury. I would never would, They would never let you. They would never let me on. They would see my podcast and be like, exactly. Nope. (laughs) One look at your Instagram profile and be like, never mind. But but yeah, so his sentencing will happen on March 11th, I believe. That's fairly quick. It is fairly quick and he does face 5 to 25. I imagine he will end up somewhere on the lower end of that spectrum. But still, he is going to Rikers, so that's encouraging, and he will most likely be facing further um, charges. I was just reading an article about um, what life will look like for him in prison, and I guess they are taking extra consideration with him after the whole Jeffrey Epstein suicide, Mm -hmm. murder, homicide, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so they're like, oh god, we have another really like high you know, profile, profile person. Cli- like I almost a client prisoner. So we have to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. My guess is he will be, he will not be in general pop, but I don't think it's going to be like summer camp. Like no. Anthony was like, Oh, it's going to be like white old rich white guy jail. And no, this, he's at Rikers. Yeah. He's at Rikers. And this wasn't a white collar crime. This yeah. was a violent crime. Yeah. So while I don't think he's going to be treated like a normal prisoner because he's not a normal prisoner, he'll probably be kept away from general population. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. And I especially don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for someone like him who is accustomed to a certain kind of lifestyle. Oh, yeah. So 100%. I think, I think, you know, there is some satisfaction in that. Mm-hmm. So the silence Breakers, who we talked about in our very first episode yeah. of this podcast, uh, a group that represents prominent Weinstein accusers, and this is from an NBC article. Uh, and this group includes actresses like Ashley Judd and Rosanna Arquette, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They praise the courage of the woman, women who testified. So there were a number of actually pretty high-profile women, yeah. including a Sopranos actress, yeah. who testified about their experiences with Weinstein. And they put out a statement jointly, and they said, While it is disappointing that today's outcome does not deliver the true, full justice that so many women deserve, Harvey Weinstein will now forever be known as a convicted serial predator. Yep. This conviction would not be possible without the testimony of the courageous women and the many women who have spoken out. So, you know, it is kind of a bittersweet thing, but at the end of the day, it's a win. It's a win. In my opinion. Yeah. I'm hoping, what I'm hoping for is, like, 10 years. Yeah. Even 10 years, you know? Yeah. Or if his, heart, if his heart's that bad, you know, maybe. He's old as shit anyway. Yeah. I'm like. Maybe we can just get rid of him. Yeah. All right. I wanted to uh, say some funny things Trump said this week. Oh, uh, okay. Great, revolving great. the Involving the Oscars. Oh, wow. He's, like, late. He's, late. Yeah. Well, this, so it was last Thursday. So we recorded last Wednesday and put an episode up on Friday. Right. So I've. 
like read about this and I wanted to still talk about it, but it's been almost a week. Is this about Parasite? It's about Parasite and Brad Pitt. Proceed. So you read it, right? You know what I'm talking about? I, kn- I know about the Parasite thing. Okay, so last Thursday he was at a rally in Colorado because he never stops rallying. Um, he bashed the Best Picture winner, Parasite, because it is a South Korean film. He says... How bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see? And the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell is that about? We've got enough problems with South Korea with trade on top of Whoa. it. Whoa. They give them the best movie of the year? Whoa. <laughs> he knows our relationship with South Korea is actually, like, really, really good, yeah. right? Like, what a weird fucking take. Yeah, he's like, with trade. And then he says, I'm looking for, like, let's get Gone with the Wind. Can we get, like, Gone <gasps> with the Wind back, please? Sunset Boulevard. So many great movies. Oh. Gone with the Wind? Slavery. Slavery. He's a million years old. He's a million years old. His idea of a good movie is Gone with the Wind and Sunset Boulevard. Both great films. They are good films. Great films. But come on now. So Also, what a strange... Like, he has no awareness no. about, like, what is coming out of his fucking mouth. He doesn't because- like that it's Asian people that won best picture in an American and academy. And put it up next to Gone with the Wind. Like, I understand that Gone with the Wind was a cinematic masterpiece when it came out. I yeah. get that. And, you know, that's fine. It was a product of its time. But to deliberately choose a movie that is centered around slavery and where the protagonists are confederate slaveholders yeah and to compare that to To parasite is you are missing the mark yeah so hard did you expect him to hit the mark i didn't (laughs) sometimes it still surprises me a little bit whenever i'm like oh god yeah well you're saying the the quiet part out loud yeah so the quiet part so neon which is the american distributor uh, distributor of parasite tweeted out understandable he can't read yeah (laughs) <laughs> True. So, so he, he doesn't want to watch a movie that has subtitles. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then he also went on to talk about Brad Pitt's acceptance speech, which mentioned which mentioned John Bolton's absence from the impeachment trial. Mm-hmm. Pitt said, "They told me I only have forty five seconds up here, which is forty five seconds more than Senate gave John Bolton this week. I'm thinking maybe Quentin does a movie about it, and in the end, the adults do the right thing." And then Trump goes on to say, I was never a big fan of his. He got up, said a little wise guy statement. Little wise guy. He's a little wise guy. <laughs> God, he's like he's a such child. A baby. He's just a baby Trump. I don't have notes on this, but I was listening to Daily Zeitgeist and they were talking about uh, there was the, the doctor for Trump who Trump had liked initially because, like, basically when they give him his physical, he's like, you are a magnificent specimen. Oh, God. Your body is fantastic oh, or whatever. Oh, God. And he recently, I don't know if he got fired or something, but he recently gave an interview where he was like, man, I tried to get the president healthy. And he was talking about the things that they would do. And he was like, we tried to put cauliflower in his mashed potatoes. Like, all these things. I'm like, this is the shit you would do. That's what I do with the child that I take care of. This is what I I try to sneak vegetables and things and stuff like that. This is what you do for a small child. Yeah. And we're talking about a 70-something-year-old man. Who is our president. And they're They're just like... They're sneaking cauliflower. They're like, I don't know, man. We can't get him to stop eating cheeseburgers. I don't know. Like, I mean, honestly, if I was the doctor, I'd be like, 
eat all the cheeseburgers you want. You're perfect the way you are. Here's some bacon. In fact, actually, your, your here's body, some extra cholesterol. Your body metabolizes it better. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. you have a special kind of body that is impervious <laughs> to high cholesterol Jesus and Christ. Uh, heart How's attacks. that man still alive? It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing because the devil is keeping him alive. Really, it's the devil true. needs him around. It's true. It's like. It's always the worst people that live the longest. Like, Only Jesus. the good die young, Keegan. It's awful. Man. Huh. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> I okay. did, did want to point out to some of our um, listeners here who maybe don't listen to My Worst Day. Yeah. Or didn't see in our story that we did make a post about this, but uh, you were a guest on... I had a double date. Yeah, a double date. It was kind of weird for me. I'm not going to lie. I felt like I was kind of in the middle. Yeah, uh, it was funny because the way we were seated, Keegan was sitting across from me, and then Cassie and Christina were on either side. And I'm so used to looking at you when we're recording that it felt almost like you and I were just recording with other people. And I yeah. think they kind of said that, too, where they were like, I feel like we sh- we're we the hosts, and we're, like, questioning Keegan and Maddie. I know. And you're like, no, wait, what? It, it, it was a little awkward, but it was super, super fun. It was really fun. I love those girls so much. Yeah. I had a blast. Yeah, they're great. Great. So uh, if you guys want to listen to that episode, if you want to listen to Madigan in a different setting or me in a different setting, if you've never listened to that podcast before, uh, go over to My Worst Date podcast. You can do MyWorstDatePodcast.com, hit the listen tab, and it's, you can find it. It's in us. every single uh, listening app. What's yeah, a podcast app? Yeah. And like, on, wherever you're listening now, you can get My Worst Date. Yeah. You could just literally search My Worst Date podcast and it'll pull up somewhere to listen. But if you want to do that, that came out last Monday. So we would love to have some crossover feedback. Yes. That's actually something I was really excited about whenever we got to talking about having you on the show. Yeah. I was like, oh, I would love that because... I feel like, not that I'm a different person, but I feel like listeners of this show who don't listen to the other show get a very different You get a different side of, side of you. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Because we're not talking about serious stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's kind of the same thing for you. It, it's fun for people to be able to hear you in a different setting. Yeah. And so if that's something that you guys are interested in, go listen and let us know what you think. I really want to know. Yeah, so two things you need to know. I talk about my belly button a lot. Yeah. And can I say what the fuck Mary Kill yes. is? Our fuck Mary Kill is the Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. And yeah. we get we get analytical with you it. Have like we to. break it down. You have to. In our yeah. last episode of My Worst Date that came out on the Girl Wednesday, Scout we did Girl Scout cookies. Um, okay, I saw that. So I don't know what the just plain boring sugar cookies are. Oh my god, those are my favorite. No, those I'm gonna kill. <gasps> How dare you? I'm gonna. And the other one were Samoas, and what were the other? What Thin was the other one? Thin Okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to fuck the Samoas and I'm going to marry the Thin Mints. Samoas are my favorite, but I but it's like a coconutty, chocolatey... You fuck the like, Samoa. That's what I did, too. I'm like, the I Samoa fuck, is like the berry white of the Girl Scout cookies. It's yeah. like a smooth... And the Thin Mint is dependable. It's always going to be good. You can stick them in the freezer for a while. That's They're even better. how I feel about the trefoil. Like, I'm like, the... the Shortbread cookie, it's like, it's watching CNN when you wake up. It's going... It's got a house on the lake... You know what I mean? Like I like I like the tree foil. We, anyway, we get Keegan's mind a little bit better now. I'm going to 
I'm going to, I have a box at work. I'm going to get another box, keep them here so you can try them because okay. they're freaking delicious. Okay, I will try one. But Samoas and Tagalongs and Thin Mints are my favorites. I eat Tagalongs and Samoas really fast. We've had uh, Thin Mints in our freezer for a while, and I think I'm the only one. They really can eating stay them. in the freezer. That That's the benefit of a Thin Mint is you yeah. can freeze it. Yeah. yeah, but I hate they get frozen together. So when you pull them out, it's like a stack of five cookies. You have to wait for them to thaw out a little to break them apart. Mm. Or maybe mm. my freezer is just really cold. I did kill the Thin Mint, but I'm not usually big on chocolate and mint together. The Thin Mint is a rare exception when I'll do chocolate Really, and mint. because yeah. my favorite ice cream would be mint, mint chocolate, chocolate chip. chip. Only because of, like, I have a really great childhood memory surrounding see, mint I chocolate don't, chip. I don't like mint chocolate chip at all. But see, I think my other favorite would be, like, cookie dough. Chocolate chip cookie dough. This is the kind of quality content you will get if you... <laughs> when you listen to My Worst Date. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> To bring Here's it back a around. Teaser. <laughs> Here's a teaser. Oh my gosh, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Uh, we're always open to hearing your suggestions of what you want us to talk about on the next week's What's in the News. I'm always needing suggestions. So please feel free to direct, to direct message us uh, on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can also email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yanf Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. And I've been posting. I have been posting. That's I made I made like three posts this week, you guys. I'm super proud it's of very you. Very exciting. I mean, I haven't been on Twitter because I had no idea. So um, let's see. We also have a Facebook business and group page. Go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with our other listeners on the group page. Super fun there. Uh, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. You'll be featured on Re- Reviews Day Tuesday. Uh, if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out a little bit. Yeah. That's all we got. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.